Over the last two weeks, we've been looking at our shared uh, Richmond values. It's a way of telling uh, our story of who we are and who we want to be. And these values are an encouragement to our collective efforts to live out this adventure of faith in King Jesus and living in his kingdom. These values, though, aren't just encouraging, they're challenging to each of us as we seek to be formed as a community on mission. And these values all have an aspirational edge to them. They call us out of selfish comfort and into costly discipleship. And hopefully these values are not dusty and dead documents on a shelf, but that they're the living story of who we are and who we want to be. These values describe for us and for others our shared imagination for who we want to be, and they offer each of us an invitation to be part of the collective effort of formation and community and mission that we're part of here at Richmond. And our values do have a Richmond flavor to their language. You can pick that up. But they're not new to the global church, nor are they exclusive to us. These values are built on the story of God's invitation to his people in the Bible to join in with what he is already doing in and through the church historically and globally. They, they summarize for us some of the key foundational characteristics of a community of Jesus followers. And these values connect us with the larger story of God's people in the Bible and the generations of active and faithful followers of Jesus across cultures and across centuries. And our values are an attempt for us to capture in this season and in this time and in this place who we are and who we want to be. And at the heart of who we are is a desire to make much of King Jesus. It is by him and for him and through him all things are made. And it is by his blood that all things are reconciled and renewed. And so we gather and grow together around the person and story of King Jesus. That's the first section of our values. We're also a community of Jesus followers figuring out together what it means, what it looks like to live and love as family, the second part of our values. And we're also on an adventure as a collective of people who give and go with a new imagination for what our world can be like as we join in with the mission of God. That's the third part of our values. Over the last two weeks, we've unpacked the first two sections. Sophie, first, helping us to imagine and and hear the invitation to center ourselves on Jesus, building healthy discipleship practices and rhythms together, and not just on Sundays, but every day. And then Melinda last week, imagining with us what it means to live in community and how we can love each other well in the laughter and in the tears of life and in our diversity. And I was really encouraged the last two weeks to receive texts and emails from many of you as you heard the invitation to be part of this imagination of our life and rhythm together. Some of you committing to quite significant parts of our community. And I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us. Send me a message. Send me an email. Give me a phone call. Let's make some time to catch up as you figure out what these values mean for your own rhythms and practices. And today we look at the third section, the last five statements we've written down that try and capture for us this imagination of a community on mission. 
But we don't want to just imagine together. We want to hear the invitation in these values to go on this adventure together. I want to pray that we can do both of those things today. Let's pray. King Jesus, I am so thankful for this community, for these sisters and brothers, for people to do life with, to share life with. Jesus, we want to make the focus of all of this, all that we are, you. We want to lift our hearts, our lives, our eyes, all of what we do, all of what we say, all of who we are, to you and offer ourselves to you. We want to be shaped by you. We want our community to be shaped like you, to be active in our participation in your mission here, bringing the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus, we pray that you'll inspire our imaginations as we share some of this journey together. And I pray too that we might be encouraged and challenged by the invitation to be part of it. So Holy Spirit, we open our ears and our lives to you today. We open our community to you today. We pray that you might speak with us. In Jesus' name, amen. The story of God in the Bible is a story of God on mission. Now, sometimes it's called the Missio Dei, which is a Latin phrase that means the mission of God or the sending of God. And throughout the story of God, we see God's passionate pursuit of flourishing for humanity. Beginning with a world beautifully designed for good, we see and experience a God who overflows with compassion towards humanity, even as they choose, even as we choose, selfish indifference or worse, violent evil. And even in his outrage against injustice and oppression, God continues to patiently seek reconciliation and relationship, to seek our flourishing. Now this overflow is built into humanity. We see this all the way through the story of God's people in the Bible. In the beginning, we see it as God calls the first people to care well for the earth and everyone and everything in it. Then he invites Old Testament Israel to be the agent of God's blessing to all people everywhere, calling them to live rightly. Then in Jesus, we see his declared mission to bring justice and hope into a broken and dark story, ultimately giving his life to usher in a new day of flourishing. And along the way, Jesus invites the first followers to join him as co-creators of a new world, and this invitation is passed on to us as well, as followers of Jesus in this time and place. Now, there is a story through the Bible that helps us to understand the mission of God, to understand the overflow of love and compassion outwards to all people everywhere in every time. But in talking to people this week and even this morning, I'm going to assume that we're on board with wanting to be a church that is outward focused. I know from your stories and what you tell me about what you love about Richmond is that for some of you, part of the reason that you're a part of this community is that we are a church that is involved in our neighborhood and looking outside of ourselves. And as much as I'd love to spend some time retelling that story, we've got so much to cover this morning, I'm going to jump over a little bit of what I prepared. I hope that's okay with you. It means we'll be a little bit shorter. Is that all right? Yeah. I've already been told. All right. The gospel is inherently outward. 
It's inherently a giving away. In the beginning, God gave himself to humanity, created a space to connect with and love and relate to humanity. And in Jesus, we see the ultimate giving away. We see God giving away what he could keep for himself as he gives his son. We see Jesus giving away what he could keep for himself as he gives his life. This gospel shape informs our shape as his followers. There are ways for us to do the first two parts of our values well, to center ourselves on Jesus, to grow in the knowledge and and ways of life that follow along with the do's and don'ts, the guides, the correctives of the story of God in the Bible. There's also ways we can do community really well, loving one another really well, being family to one another really well, and become an insular, selfish, comfortable church. But that is not the shape of the gospel. It's not who we see God reveal himself to be in his story in the Bible. It's not who we see God reveal himself to be in Jesus, the one who gives himself away. And this gospel shape informs who we are. It informs our shape as his people, as the agents through which God wants to work in the world, as the agents through which God commissions us to be his hands and his feet, his ambassadors, his reconcilers, his co-creators of a new world. This has implications for what we prioritize as a church how we choose to spend our resources and time, where we give our staff work to do, where we spend our time in vocation, what we give ourselves away to. The gospel shape has to have an implication on our outward posture towards others. This shape informs so much of who we are at Richmond. One of the phrases you would have heard me say a thousand times is how do we give away what we could keep for ourselves? And it's not just meant to be a catchy phrase, it's meant to capture the heart of the gospel. Who we see Jesus, how we see him living, and it informs how we make decisions, how we posture ourselves as a church community. We all share a bias, all of us. A bias towards selfish comfort. And it happens in our church community too. Uh, Maybe part of your story is realizing you've become selfishly comfortable as a follower of Jesus. It's part of my story. Waking up to the fact that I become indifferent and calloused towards injustices of all kinds in the world around us. Either ignorant and unaware or ignoring the fact that so much was happening around me that God was up to, and I was indifferent to it, uncaring, unable to have a compassionate response. Maybe that's true in your story too. Maybe that's true in our church's story too. It's a question we should be asking ourselves. We have five values as part of our give and grow part of the values I want to jump straight into them because I want to give us time this morning to practice some of these, to spend some time together unpacking what these look like. The first value says we are part of God's kingdom mission, motivating and equipping one another to live out and share God's story in our families, in our workplaces, and in our neighborhoods. 
the first thing we want to recognize here is that we are part of God's kingdom mission. The story of God in the Bible tells us about a God who is already active and on mission in the world around us. It's not up to the church to come up with what we want to do and then invite God to come along with us. We are God's agents that he sends on mission into the things that he's already at work doing in the world around us. So we need to reorient our thinking and practice and recognize that the church exists because of God's overflow of love and his mission to make all things right. That part of the reason we organize together and gather together and do community together is that because we are on mission. We have something to do in Jesus' name. We see a bit of what that is as we hear Jesus announce his mission in Luke 4, where he quotes from Isaiah 61 and gives us an introduction to what he is doing, what the point of his coming is. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to tell the poor the good news. He has sent me to announce release to the prisoners and sight to the blind, to set the wounded victims free, to announce the year of God's special favor. The story of God's people in the Bible is a story of a collective of people who at their best gathered as worshippers, shared life in community and scattered as sent ones who were joining in with what God was already doing in the world around them. In Matthew 28, of course, Jesus gives the Great Commission when he says, Go out, as you go, make disciples. And Jesus' first followers get it. They begin moving into neighborhoods and across cultures and living among the people around them. And they lived as mission-oriented communities, giving away what they had to the poor, sharing boldly the good news that Jesus is king, leveraging their influence for justice and the common good in the towns and cities that they lived in. And this wasn't just for the apostles, for the clergy, we might say. The first followers of Jesus recognized this call on all of them, as individuals, as families, and as a collective. Peter calls those he writes to King Jesus' ambassadors to the world. Going further, he says, you all are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And Peter goes on to invite these other followers of Jesus to live well as citizens, citizens of two worlds. Paul, in his writings to the first church, calls his hearers, co-workers, partners in the gospel, and he invites the entire church to join in with Jesus' mission to bring light and life into the world by boldly proclaiming and radically living out a new way of life. So all of this leads to a different way of thinking for us as a church. Because sometimes in the past we've seen mission as a KPI or a department something we can give to a particular group of people and something that we can measure in a particular way. But God's story, his imagination and his invitation is that all of us, all of this is mission. We are all shaped towards mission. All of what we do should overflow 
towards bringing light and life and justice and beauty and hope and creativity into the world. That challenges us, I think. Because some of us have grown up in churches, our formation has been in spaces where we've said certain types of people do mission, certain departments worry about that on our behalf. But the call of God to the people of God in the story of God is that we're all on mission together. Now, sometimes that means evangelism, but it always means loving our neighbor, giving ourselves generously away to those around us, seeking out what God is already doing in neighborhoods and communities and the world around us. We'll unpack a bit more of that later. The value goes on to say we motivate and equip one another to live out and share God's story in our families, workplace, and neighborhoods. We live this out by learning together. We learn and practice good listening in our neighborhood and beyond. What does that look like? Well, for lots of us, we gather together in gospel groups, and we gather as neighbors, people who live in the same region, and we gather as a collective, and we take the time to ask Where is the Father already at work? We also practice listening well to our neighbors and friends, listening well to the Holy Spirit. And we ask, where do we hear the whispers of God's Spirit at work in the lives and in the minds and the activity of those that we connect with? We take the time to learn and to understand those that we live among. Because we want to be people who understand, who listen, who love, and who share well with the people in our lives. So my question is, when was the last time you took the time to listen to the sounds and to the stories of the people around you? I mean, listening for understanding. Listening to love well. Listening to the rhythms of your neighborhood and learning to love the people and the place that you live in. We've practiced this from time to time. And I encourage you to think about how you can practice doing that too. Now, lots of the people and the places we find ourselves living in, working in, walking with, are hard. And we know that in a world of discouragement and difficulty and injustice and darkness and chaos, it can get discouraging to walk with people in hard places and through tough times. And so we encourage one another. We remind each other of the horizon of hope, that future day when all things will be made right. And we back each other up. And we hold each other up. And we stand in for one another when we cannot carry on for a season. But the only way we can do that well is if we're in vulnerable community together, where we can share the hopeful and the hard. And so we invite our gospel groups to be on mission together, to be figuring out together how you can support one another, how you can love the people you come across in your work and and in your friendships and in your family, as you attempt to tell stories of a new way of life, as you share with those around you the good news of King Jesus, We want to be there for each other in that. And we also imagine together in our gospel group what it means for that group of people to be on mission together. 
with the resources and passions and energies available in that group. Because even as we gather in the rhythms of gospel groups, we don't want to just become great friends who have a good time together. Or even just grow in knowledge of the Bible, forming each other. As important as those two things are, we want to be practitioners, people who actively live out our hopefulness and faith in King Jesus. What does that mean for you? What does it mean for you and for us to be a community of people seeking through your relationships, through our work, through our collective efforts to bring life and light and hope and beauty and justice and creativity into the world? For some of us, it might mean seeing your work as a place of mission. Now, sometimes that means evangelism. Sometimes that means an opportunity to point people to King Jesus. But it doesn't always mean that. It does mean understanding that your work, your vocation, can, and for many of you, is part of bringing God's kingdom on earth. But a big part of this first value, this posture that we want to hold, is learning to listen together. So we want to practice that today. I'm following Melinda's lead from last week, and I'm going to interrupt myself a few times today, and we're going to practice. So this is not the end. I'm not going to be that short. I want us to gather in small groups, just the people around you, to listen well together, to pray together. But I want the first minute to be silent. I want us to practice to listen, practice hearing well what God's whispers might be building up inside of us, something that maybe he's been saying to us for weeks now and we haven't stopped to listen, something that he might be stirring in you this morning. Or after a minute, as you start to pray together and share out of the the questions, the, the things that are stirring, it might be that God's whisper is starting to speak through the others around you. So how do we listen well to what God might be saying? King Jesus, we invite you to continue speaking with us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you might stir our hearts, that you might speak to us, that you might uh, cut through the noise and distraction and busyness, uh, that you will help us collectively to hear and to see more of what you are already doing around us. For each one of us, I pray that we might see more of what you're up to in our workplaces and in, with our friends and what you're doing in the lives of those around us. I pray that you give us listening ears and eyes that see. As a collective, Jesus, we pray that you will help us to see uh, what it is that you have placed us in this time and place in this neighborhood to be part of. That you'll help us to see where you are already doing things, that we might not presume that we have answers, that we can fix things, that we might find a way to walk with what you're doing. Jesus, we want to be a listening church. We want to be an outward-oriented church. We pray that that posture won't just be something we've written down, but something that's true of our life and our rhythms and our practice together. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Our next value, we encourage and celebrate an attitude of innovation as we look to multiply our community through making disciples and church planting. 
Now, this value describes a desire to remain flexible and open to God's leading. We want to be a listening church. We want to have a posture that looks outside of ourselves, that looks to give away what we could keep for ourselves. But as I've already mentioned, we share a bias, don't we? This, a bias as a community that's insular, that's protective, that's defensive, that wants to keep things that, the way that they are, that wants to keep friendships and social situations and risk unchanging. It's in all of us. It's something we have to be conscious of. It's something we have to address. And communities inherently build traditions. It's something we do. We see it inside the church and outside the church. One of the most difficult challenges we've had in the story of the church in recent decades is helping churches break free of traditions that have become masters and not servants in the name of figuring out what it means to be the people of God in this time and place. And as churches, we've expended so much energy addressing risk and change that we've lost energy and resources and time in giving ourselves away over this time. Now, we don't want to be a church like that. We want to be open to God's leading as a community. We want to face risk when God calls us into hard things, into difficult things. We want to be okay as a community with following Jesus on whatever path he takes us. It's going to cost us. No, it will cost us some personal comfort. It will cost us facing change. It will mean that we will face risk. But it's part of God's way of leading the church into what's next. The gospel overflows with God's generous love. At the heart of it is Jesus giving himself away. We see this posture multiplied through the first followers of Jesus and the first church of Jesus. A posture that radically moves us towards multiplication and innovation. And we have an invitation to create alongside Jesus a new way of life in Jesus. Now, the easy road would be for us to settle for what's comfortable and low-risk activities as a community. But this is counter to the gospel's call to give ourselves away. Now, part of what this means is making more room for more people in our lives and in our church community. And that gets uncomfortable. That means counting the cost in our friendships, in our hospitality. It means as a church community, opening our posture towards people who want to become part of what God is doing in this church community. It looks like learning together with those who are new to following Jesus. It looks like walking alongside to those who are relearning how to follow Jesus. And it looks like doing life with those who are showing interest in following Jesus. All of those kind of people cost us something to be with. Because we can't just do things the way we just assume they should be done. Or the way we would like them to be done. But the, the truth is that all of those three kind of types of people, that's all of our stories. We've all been 
one of those people along the way. For some of us, a couple of those people. As we've learned and relearned how to follow Jesus along the way. Now where this happens really well is in our gospel groups. A place for us to explore and question and unlearn and relearn what it means to follow Jesus. It also happens as we read the Bible with others. Now this is something we talk about often as a rhythm that we invite you into as part of our church's practice. And this practice creates a space where we can disciple one another. And if you're not already reading the Bible with someone, we would love to help you get started. But reading the Bible with someone doesn't just create a space for discipleship, for mutual journeying along as we follow Jesus. It can create a space for people who might not yet call themselves Christians. Have you ever invited someone outside of our church to read the Bible with you? I know at first it can sound a little bit crazy, but our experience is that we have had more people say yes than no to this invitation. Because for many people, the story of Jesus is intriguing. And if you posture yourself as someone who's willing to learn alongside somebody else as you open the Bible together, it's also a non-threatening safe space to discover more about who Jesus is. Now, I love to start with the Gospel of Luke. I love the Gospel of Luke. It's a tale of adventure, drama, and danger. Of course, I'm drawn into those things. You might like to start somewhere else, but it's a fantastic way to journey with someone in finding out more about Jesus. The other part of this value is church planting. That sounds really scary, doesn't it? It sounds like a lot of work, too. But if we develop a generous posture of giving away what we could keep for ourselves, and if we're making disciples, and if we continue to send out leaders and pastors like we've done over the last few months, or if we continue to journey alongside churches like Camden, trying to strengthen them and help them to become flourishing churches, or if we continue to start new initiatives, new things, our muscles will grow. Our opportunities will grow to be part of what God might be calling us into in this neighborhood and the next one. And it was a while ago, but this church was a church plant. In 1894, a small group of people left Flinders Street Baptist Church and formed this community here. Every church at some point started from somewhere. What does it look like for us to imagine together being part of giving away what we could keep for ourselves by starting something new? We could just build a bigger building for ourselves. It would have less cracks than this one. It might be more comfortable than this one. It might be a little more useful in some ways than this one. But what would it look like for us to hold a posture where we're okay with giving up those things so that another neighborhood might have the opportunity to have a flourishing church community in it? I love the imagination of that. I love what that has meant for us as we've joined in a neighborhood church here what would that look like for others to have the opportunity to join in with a neighborhood church like ours? This is a collective 
activity. It's not something any one of us can do on our own, and it's a costly thing to do. What would it look like for us to imagine being part of a story like that? What would it look like for us to give up the bigger and better and brighter things that we could have as a church in order to start or encourage or walk alongside other church communities around us? That's a big and costly question for all of us, for us as a collective. And maybe the place to start this morning to keep building those muscles of giving away to others what we could keep for ourselves is considering this practice of reading the Bible with someone. I want to take the chance now for us to share with each other who we're connecting with. Who is it in our lives that comes to mind as people that we walk alongside, that we want to love well, that we want to share what we have with, we want to share the hope we have with them? Maybe you could even talk to each other about what it would look like to ask that person, those people, if they would like to read the Bible with you sometime. You could talk about the challenges of that or the opportunities that might be there too. Unfortunately, we don't have time to read the Bible together this morning. So we're going to talk about reading the Bible with others together this morning. I'd love to invite you now to just share with the people around you some of those people who come to mind that you share life with, that you're praying for, that you're interested in and discuss together what some next steps with them might be. As we look at Jesus' life and practice, and as we look at the practice of the early church, we see that their mission was to everyone, across cultures, across cities, across all sorts of barriers. But it was especially to the poor and the oppressed and those experiencing injustice. We see that in the life and teaching of Jesus, and we see it in the activity of the early church. And Jesus' mission activity included pushing back the darkness, challenging oppression, and setting people free from their enslavement, all kinds of enslavement. And so we, as a church, work together to set people free from enslavement and oppression too. Our value says we love and advocate for the marginalized, using our resources for their benefit locally and globally. We do that by supporting the work of those who spend their time giving themselves away. Many of us work in vocations where that is part of what we do. In community development and education and health and all sorts of vocations that are literally about setting people free from all kinds of oppression and enslavement. Vocations that directly work to bring healing and life and opportunity to those who need it, and we celebrate and support those vocations. We also raise issues of injustice together, reminding each other of the too many people in our world and in our neighborhood who live every day under a cloud of injustice. And these issues are gospel concerns because Jesus came to set humanity free from evil and greed and sickness and poverty and oppression and sin. So we learn about what's happening, we don't shy away from the dark reality of global issues, and we don't pretend that we can't see what's happening in the streets and neighbourhoods around us. What issues matter to you? In what ways are you pushing back the darkness? 
Is your vocation, your work, part of King Jesus' kingdom mission to release captives? Or a challenging question for us who work in all sorts of employment here in Australia, is your work part of the problem? A question for all of us is what can we do together to speak alongside, work alongside, resource, build capacity, support, and champion the issues of those who need it? Now, there are lots of ways this can look. For some of us, it means walking closely with people, living with challenges of injustice, knowing them, hearing them, tending to them, caring with them. For others, it means pouring our lives into a vocation that seeks to undo these effects. For others, it means speaking up and challenging the issues in the systems at levels of policy and government. For each of us, it means considering how we care for the environment, what habits and rhythms could shift in our lives. It means considering how we shop, where our money goes, and what message does that send to manufacturers, too many manufacturers, holding people in economic oppression around the world. And collectively, for all of us, it means we continue to find shared causes, causes that matter to us. We raise money together, we turn up at events together to show solidarity to each other and to others. We speak up together and we learn together. We want to be an engaged and active church community, passionate about seeing things change, and you don't need our permission to do this. Speak up about what causes you to be angry, what drives you to compassionate action, and we'll support and encourage each other in those causes. Here's our practice today. What is it that you can do today that pushes back the darkness. You might like to donate, donate to an important cause. You might like to send an email to your local MP raising an issue. You might like to research ways in which you can volunteer your time in our neighborhood or our city to work amongst our city's most vulnerable people. So we're going to do that now. Grab your phones, if you have a phone, and look up something that matters to you. Talk to the person next to you about something that matters to you. Consider what you could change in your daily rhythms. And if you already know a cause, if you're already thinking of something that's important, something that drives you to angry action or compassionate action, send me a link about it. I want to hear about it. I want to hear what matters to you. So we're going to practice advocacy now. All right? I'm putting you on the spot. You can talk to the people around you if you don't want to pull your phone out. But if you want to, grab your phone, do something with it. We can do something now in a couple of minutes that raises issues for us, that brings things to mind, that shares with each other the things that we're passionate about, or even that does something about it. So why not now? I know that you care about issues because you raise them with us. You talk about them. I uh, see so your Facebook and Instagrams, the things that you share and like, um, the things that you're interested in. Uh, many of us are passionate about issues of injustice. And in a couple of minutes, we can't do much. But we can also do far more than we think we can. And often we can talk about these issues and go away after a Sunday gathering together and just move on. 
distracted, complacent, indifferent, or even ignoring the issues in front of us. Um, so the point of that was just to raise those issues for us and also to help us realize how much we can do, uh, how much we can share together and enjoy together and celebrate together and advocate together. Now, our next value invites us to imagine ourselves as global citizens. We learn and grow as global citizens, on mission cross-culturally and seeking to partner with kingdom mission around the world. We as a church want to extend our horizons and ask what can we learn from the cultures and lives and practices of followers of Jesus around the world? Where can we contribute to the global church mission that we are a part of? What does it look like for our church to listen well and to grow as global, global citizens? And how can we, as the resource-rich church in Australia, partner with those who are on mission overseas? A few years ago, I was privileged to spend time with leaders from around the world from 140 countries. And one of the main things I came back with, the burning impression I had, was that we have far more than we need here in Australia to resource mission, to resource our churches. And there are countless numbers of followers of Jesus working with minute proportions of the resources that we have access to. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us to share what we have in support of what God is doing in and through others around the world? Another important part of our story of learning and growing as global citizens here at Richmond is partnering with Tammy and Arthur in Tanzania. Tammy and Arthur and Little Elliot and Callum are global workers with CMS, supporting leadership development and Christian formation in Dar es Salaam, the capital of Tanzania. They're part of our church family and they share life with us in different ways and they'll be back with us in the next few weeks for a six-month home assignment. And our mission in this next six months is to generously love them, to include them and be family to them. They face all the challenges of integration and reintegration of a cross-cultural family. They have huge challenges ahead of them, just for a few months. And part of the point of being back is rest, part of it is storytelling and reconnecting, and part of it is encouragement and hopefulness for mission over there. Now, Arthur and Tammy are actually going to be moving into our neighbourhood, and little Elliot's going to be going to our local school at Richmond. Now, that's all really exciting, but there's some significant challenges they face as they do that. Uh, what does it look like for us to think about how we can share life with them, uh, how we can love them well? And when they're here, they're going to be able to share with us in our preaching and leadership and training, and they'll contribute to our church family in a whole bunch of different ways. But what does it look like for us to support them and love them well in this next season for them? Now, if you are new or newish to Richmond, we would love for you to take time to get to know Arthur and Tammy by looking up their blog, meetjesusatuni.com. Uh, if you have a read there, you'll get a good picture of who they are uh, and what they're on about. And there you'll also find ways that you can support them in prayer, in life, and in partnership. And you'll get to know them as part of our church family here at Richmond. We also work with the global community in our neighbourhood. We have significant multicultural diversity in our own neighbourhood and we can learn and grow with those people too. So we partner with Hope Arabic who meet here every Saturday night. We become family with them and we practice with them what it means to be followers of Jesus together and we generously partner with them. It costs us something to walk life with them. We share space, we share time and energy and relationship. 
one of the challenges for each one of us, and not just us as a collective, is how do we build a personal connection with our sisters and brothers in that community? What does it look like for us to walk alongside people in the Hope Arabic community? It requires each of us to offer friendship and support. Now, it's worth knowing that almost all the growth in the Baptist church across Australia is happening in multicultural communities. I say almost all because I want to be generous, but it's so close to being all that we might as well say all. All the growth in Baptist churches across Australia is happening in multicultural communities. What does it look like for us as churches are still majority non-cross-cultural to provide resource for and walk alongside the growing number of multicultural churches in our neighbourhood and beyond? Now, another part of our story as we connect cross-culturally is in our own backyard. Our church has been on a journey of learning about and listening better to and becoming friends with Aboriginal Christians from across the country. We've taken the time and said yes to opportunities to stand with our sisters and brothers on issues that matter to them. We invite them into our church whenever possible, like next Sunday, with Berean coming to share with us, an opportunity to show love and friendship and walk alongside Aboriginal Christians. And we accept invitations to spend time with them when we're invited too, uh, which is where I was last weekend, accepting an invitation to spend time on country with Aboriginal Christian leaders. This practice has meant we're forming friendships as a collective with Pastor Don and the Berean Aboriginal Community Church, who are part of our South Australian Baptist Movement of Churches. We're forming friendships with Brooke Prentice, who preached here last year, and the organisation Grass Tree Gathering, which trains Aboriginal leaders across the country. We're forming friendships with Uncle Clyde Rigney and the community down at Raukin, with Rob and Juanita and Uncle Paul and Auntie Maria, who lead um, Dusty Feet Mob, who we've had a few times before, favourite friends of ours here from Port Augusta. All of this requires Richmond to posture ourselves generously, to not just get comfortable, but to give ourselves away across culture. It takes more time to learn, to listen, to understand as we share life in that way. We want to be generous with who we are as we support global mission and ministry in Australia and beyond. We also want to recognise that we have so much to learn, that we can learn from Arthur and Tammy and their learnings in Tanzania, that we can learn from hope and their cultural experience of what it means to follow Jesus, that we can learn from Indigenous Australians and their experience of what it means to follow Jesus. What does it look like for us to generously be part of global mission here and abroad? Now I'm going to combine the practices for these last two values. Our last value recognises and imagines that God is at work in our neighbourhood and in other churches and in our movement. And so we partner with and work alongside organisations and people that are working to make things right. The value says we seek to be respected as a church as we bring life and hope to the inner, suburbs and, uh, inner western suburbs and beyond by partnering with our local community, other churches and Baptist Churches SA. So we get involved with local community organisations like Thriving Neighbourhoods, which we've been part of setting up, and a collective of organisations working together to create better connection and support and a thriving community, a thriving neighbourhood for children, youth and families across West Torrens Council area. 
And there are ways you can get involved in thriving neighbourhoods. Caitlin leads out one of our projects that we're partnered with Baptist Care with to connect with some of the families in our neighbourhood who are experiencing the most vulnerability. What does it look like for our church community to give time and resource to be part of that good work? What does it look like to work alongside other churches like Brooklyn Park Church of Christ who've joined in with thriving neighbourhoods on the other edge of West Torrens City at Council Area? What does it look like for us to partner with them as we share a common neighbourhood mission? What does it look like for us to walk alongside Camden Baptist Church, just in the next neighbourhood over? An opportunity both to build a flourishing church community in that neighbourhood, but also to work alongside them as we connect and build a better neighbourhood for the people who live in that area. We also partner with Baptist Churches SA. That's our larger movement of churches that we're part of. They provide support for us in things like insurance and child protection structures, really important parts of being a healthy, functioning organisation. But we also work with them to provide training and support and community for churches and pastors across SA. And I think most of you know by now, but both Melinda and I work there part-time. Melinda, mostly full-time. What does it look like for us to continue to be part of the story of our movement of churches? There is so much more we could tell about each of those stories and others. But the invitation as part of this imagination of this value is what does it look like for you to be more of a part of what's happening in thriving neighbourhoods, with Camden Baptist, with the Baptist movement of churches. One of the things that's true about partnership in mission is that not all of us can do everything and not all of us can do all the things that need to be done even if we did it separately. A big part of what we do together is partnership, doing this together, working together, figuring out together as the body of Christ, who needs to do what? Who are we going to send into what spaces? Who do we set apart and give them time to be able to do some of the work of God's mission through Richmond? It's been really helpful for us to think about, for me to think about, working in a church as gospel partnership, that we do this together that part of the reason I can still give away a third of my Richmond time into our neighbourhood is because of the generous partnership of our Richmond church family, that we're in this together. We want to be mutually encouraging and supportive of you and your work, and we want to support those that we send out overseas like Arthur and Tammy, or more locally like our pastors, like other people that we send into, into new and different things. What does it look like for us to partner together so that our church can generously give away more of what we could keep for ourselves. We're really thankful as a church leadership team to be part of a church that's so generous already. We cover our basic costs, keeping the building standing most of the time. We pay the bills. And we're able to set aside some staff to do some of the things for inside our community, but also give away time outside of our community. But the imagination of these values and the invitation is to say, what else could be done? There's an invitation for all of us to partner together to leverage the collective influence of our resource. We can each only do so much with our time, our energy, and our money. What does it look like for us to pull together those resources? And so we want to put an invitation out to all of us to think about 
where and how do you give of your time and energy and your money? We don't often talk about what we do with our money here at Richmond. And we're so thankful that we've been able to pay the bills anyway. But with this imagination of who we are and who we want to be, we want to put an invitation out there for all of us to think about what it would look like for us to give more together so that we might do more in the name of Jesus. We have opportunities in front of us. There are things that we could do. There's opportunity for more of us to get involved in, in neighbourhood things, in, in Australia-wide things, in global things. There are several ways you can be partnering with us. So we want to invite you to think about them. Uh, one of the things we do is pass our, around our bags each Sunday. Now, it comes as no surprise, but we want to reimagine what that looks like. Because right now, it makes us look really ungenerous. Because most of us actually don't use the bags. Because most of us give online. So what does it look like for us to think about how we do our practice of giving together? Now, for many of us, we already give online through direct debit. And we've got some cards that we want to hand out to everyone with the direct debit details on there. Uh, we want to make it easier for people to find that information. We've also set up a new online portal that you can give via credit card. For some of you, that means you can get your credit card points. Hey, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, that was pretty mean. <laughs> we want to put that invitation out to you as well. We're also looking at getting a physical FPOS machine because we know that we're generation no cash. And so we want to create opportunities for us to participate in what God is doing and the whispers of God every week for what God might be calling us into, where he might be calling us to give away some of the money that we could keep for ourselves. We don't talk about this much, but I'm glad we can. I'm really thankful that we're part of a generous church and we want to put out an invitation to all of us to think about what it means to partner together for the mission of God in our neighbourhood and community. We're going to sing together in just a moment, but as the team comes up, I just want to give you a minute just to think about what that means for you. It might be something you can do something about right now on your phones. Connect in, set up a direct debit, give some money. It might mean thinking about what it looks like for your budget as we start a new financial year. It might mean imagining together what else we could do as a church community in the name of Jesus as we listen to what the Father is already doing as we look for where he is active by his Holy Spirit in and around and through us. Let me pray. King Jesus, I'm so thankful that we can spend this time together, that we can ask these questions together. I'm thankful for a church community that's willing to imagine together and to face up to some of these invitations you've put before us, these challenges that you might be stirring in us, this shaping of our community. Uh, we want to rejoice in you for all that you have done and all that you are doing in and through us. And we want to hold ourselves before you as your mission agents, as partners in what you are already doing. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.